So joining me today is Professor Anu Nagarajan uh, at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business. Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. You're welcome. Nice so, uh, seeing you again, Vishnu. Yes, <laughs> great seeing you. Um, so would you like to give a short introduction about like what you do and uh, yeah, in your profession? Okay, uh, I, I am Anu Nagarajan and I teach uh, strategy at uh, the Ross School of Business. Uh, I have been, uh, I'm a very proud uh, graduate of the PhD program uh, uh, through Rackham and Ross in strategy. And so I am um, truly amazed in blue, died in true. Great way to put it. Um, where I'd like to start is, you know, kind of talking about this ongoing supply chain crisis that has been all over the news for the past year. And I'm curious to know, like, how much of it do you think was kind of an organizational time bomb, an accident kind of waiting to happen in that we had so much over-reliances on processes like just-in-time manufacturing and so much of our manufacturing being offshore? Yeah, so there are, uh, there's an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, we can always say in hindsight that it was a time bomb waiting to happen. But if you look at, uh, you know, industrial progress, it has always worked towards efficiency. Right. And so as communications and logistics and computing power increased, you found that people were able to make more efficient choices the prices, the real prices of goods fell over time because of the fact that we were able to source from every part of the world, right? So we all enjoyed those benefits because of the fact that our supply chains were so super efficient. You know, we could basically transport things, you know, and manufacture very efficiently just in time uh, from all across the world, right? So as we think about it in that context, the fact that things happen, you know, we do, do have some buffers for those, but we are a global, uh, you know, business environment. And so when there are disruptions, it's going to affect us. Um, there, the only alternative is to say, hey, you know what, there are going to be, if there is, uh, there, there are going to be global business disruptions, then we are going to be very national, but there could be national uh, disruptions as well, like, you know, wildfires or earthquakes or, you know, things like that. So uh, disruptions are inevitable. And, and the key question is, how do we deal with them? I don't know if, you know, you can stop progress because we're afraid of what's going to happen. Definitely. And, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty in these kinds of issues. But and it's like important to not just like let that cloud our entire judgment on like the system that's been in place for so long. But with that being said, like, do you think that this kind of disequilibrium that we've been encountering in supply and demand is kind of here to stay because we see like events like manufacturing shutdowns in China because of like pandemic resurgences, obviously the turmoil in Ukraine, these kinds of events like continue to like cause that disequilibrium in supply and demand. And it seems like these events can happen at any given time. Who's to say like they, they can't. So do you feel like these can continue to threaten our supply chain in the future? Yeah, I think the pendulum had swung so far to globalization and basically sourcing from the cheapest source uh, and efficiency that I think uh, now because of all these disruptions, we see some of the challenges of that super efficiency, right? So we start, we are moving back towards 
kind of, and I hear a lot about nationalization, kind of, you know, trying to bringing back to within the U.S. borders, um, more manufacturing coming back to the U.S., right? And that does mean that customers will have to end up paying more. Because after all, you know, we, we're not going to be able to pay the same kind of wages. Um, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we see, even if you think about programming, uh, a lot of it was outsourced and that has no supply chain implications. But what's happening is all everyone is sourcing from elsewhere and therefore prices are going up elsewhere. Right. So, yeah. you know, overall, the equilibrium is there, whether it's due to disruption or because of competitive pressures. And, you know, uh, ultimately the, the uh, tendency is for us to kind of look at which, uh, what is the impact for the customer? What is the customer willing to pay for, right? And then think about, you know, how do we best manage it to meet that? You know, I think uh, super normal profits are um, possible only in certain circumstances, like, you know, currently oil prices being high, uh, but, you know, otherwise uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, the margins are may decrease because uh, customers' willingness to pay may not be as high as um, the wages, the rate at which wages are going up. Definitely. And I think the customer willingness to pay is, is really important to focus on because like looking at like gas prices specifically, like even before like the Ukraine conflict started, you know, they were trending higher since, um, like post-COVID lockdowns, you know, the CPI for gas and obviously for like rent, like you were talking about, like wages, um, were at like historic highs. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to like the fact that demand is kind of going, is catching, has been trying to catch up ever since, you know, COVID kind of started, the COVID recovery period started. Yeah, I, you know, there is a nice example, right, in real time, where demand dropped dramatically, right, and you saw there was a phase where people, you know, did not even have, there was, there was no space to store oil, so, you know, people were actually getting paid to store oil, so it, you know, we it reached that um, critical phase where, um, you know, COVID basically shut everything down, right? And now, uh, you know, we basically feel suddenly a sense of freedom. So we want to do everything, have every experience, um, and as much as possible, enjoy uh, interaction with people, which means that, you know, that the wonderful thing is that this is such an interesting experience uh, as far as organizations are concerned. Because on one hand, you have, you know, basically uh, people wanting to live their life to the fullest. That's the customer, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, this has an implication for organizations and their employees, right? You find this, the phenomenon of the great resignation. Why? Because people have learned that they can make do with less, that they need people, they need those experiences. So the the rat race has become a little bit slower. They don't want to get on that eternal wheel of, uh, you know, uh, working. And then you also have this thing of basically wanting to have the flexibility to work from home. Uh, and that has an implication for productivity, as, you know, research has shown. So overall, I think people have started thinking more about their personal life and, um, you know, personal goals. 
rather than you know the pursuit of money so you know that does mean a lot for how you run a business right mm-hmm. so uh, you know in, in inflation is hitting but are people willing to work more to compensate for that um, you know where where is it going to hit the bottom line uh, who's going to succumb first are the businesses going to keep rising uh, raising prices because their wages are going to have to go up or is it you know the customers are not going to be willing to pay more and therefore they cut back this is an interesting time to live in for sure it's we do it's always like who's going to it's like a game of chicken like who's going to you know, <laughs> who's going to uh, right. who's, yeah who's who's going to take the first action and the other side is always waiting um, right. you know with like the implication of these gas prices i'm curious like no do you think this is going to be like the ultimate like impetus for like customers like shifting towards electric vehicles because it feels like for a while we've kind of been waiting for you know that massive large-scale uh transformation uh towards like you know more electric vehicles hitting the road and you know cost has always been a huge barrier for that but now seeing that you know gas prices present almost like kind of their own kind of price challenges do you feel like this is the time but because at the same time you know, auto production is also kind of stagnating. This is not really a great time to buy cars because of chip shortages, inventories are low. So just curious to hear your thoughts on like that whole dichotomy. Right. So it's a very interesting thing. You know, there is a situation that happened in the 70s. So if you, I don't know if you've seen any of the old Westerns, old movies, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, where all the cars were like boats, you know, these big cars with fins and everything else. They were gas guzzlers, right? And when Honda and Toyota first came, first, the quality wasn't great. And second, they were tiny cars. And the American population just didn't like it. Then they used to these big cars with plenty of space. But they had the, we had the oil crisis in 73 where, you know, because of, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the uh, oil uh, embargo with Iran, right. we basically could not, uh, the prices of oil, uh, gasoline just went sky high. And then people started to think about fuel economy and smaller cars. So it's almost, you know, a similar situation now that oil prices are going up, gas prices are going up. So we already have small cars. We have very fuel efficient cars with gasoline. So the question is, can we do without gasoline? Can we move completely to the electric vehicle? Now, the, you know, the same people for whom it matters a lot, that is, you know, the increasing price of gas are the people who are not going to be able to afford uh, electric vehicles. Think about the average price of an electric vehicle versus uh, the price of, um, you know, uh, 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 internal combustion engine car, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's at least a, a, t- a time and a half. Yeah. So can most people afford it? So until the prices actually come down to a more affordable range, um, and like you said, the production increases because you need economies of scale to bring the costs down. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be uh, more of a, one of the big challenges that you talked about, demand and supply. You know, the supply is very limited. Uh, demand can only go up if prices come down. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's a tough situation. It's very, very hard to actually think about how it's going to get resolved. But I can see why 
uh, change is likely to happen. But semi the semiconductor shortage is you know not going to get resolved very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the war in Ukraine has created shortages in terms of some critical uh, you know inputs for the batteries. So all these are going to accumulate in terms of um, shortage of cars in general, leave alone whether it's going to be uh, an ICE car or a, um, uh, or an electric car, right? Yeah, for sure. And kind of like taking that into account, like and stepping back and like looking at a larger picture, how do you see like businesses kind of shifting their strategy in the future to accommodate all of these risk factors that we talked about? Uh, well, it's not easy being a CEO today, right? You know, because, you know, you're, you're getting it. It's like the perfect storm. Uh, you know, we had COVID, we had that pandemic with basically shut down the entire world. It's something that, our, you know, I don't think any recent generation in recent memory has experienced something similar. And think about it this way. We've become a much more global, uh, you know, population than the pre last time we, the world experienced a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you know, it truly was a global pandemic because of the fact that everybody is traveling all over the world, right? Uh, and then you know, goods and services come from everywhere. So with you know all the things going on, it's very hard for a CEO kind of uh, to buffer the predictability factor has come down by quite a bit, right? So there's a a lot of uncertainty in terms of uh, what is likely to happen, but you can't just stand still. If you're running a business, people depend on you and your shareholders depend on you, your employees depend on you, your customers depend on you. You cannot say, oh, you know what? I'm uncertain about my decisions. You have to uh, make decisions with, with with the most information that you have, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, uncertainty is always going to be an issue. And it's about how like the best businesses and the best managers are the ones who can like evolve to those different situations. No wonder Warren Buffett just bought an insurance company, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but, you know, this has uh, been great, Professor. Uh, really appreciate the time that you took today to give a really detailed and um, insightful perspective on this whole on these issues. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me.